This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Raw Reaction Show. Um, an incredibly raw reaction show. Um, still not over yesterday. Still not over last night. Still not over the game. Still angry. Still really, really frustrated. But good morning uh, to those who have joined us. Thank you so much for doing so. Um, really do appreciate everyone always for tuning in, especially during the tough times you know it's easy to do it when we're riding high and things are going well and things are going your way you're picking up points you're top of the table it's a lot easier to do it then especially on a sunday um so thank you to those that do tune in and to those live as well uh that jump up as early as i do to to tune into the chat box it means a lot paul good morning to you to peter to blackshine to old dave pika who uh jorgen matt g tony damien uh, Amira, Matt, uh, Temi, Ray, Maximius, Sweating Merlot, Sabre, um, Gary. Uh, let's scroll down the chat box a little bit more. We've got uh, Shari, we've got Carl, we've got Alan, Angela, we've got uh, Granddaddy Gooder, Paul, Marcus, we've got uh, Owen in the chat as well, and plenty more guys and girls. Uh, cathartic rant time, says Prog Piglet. You're absolutely right, there's going to be a few of those today. So get your rant caps on because there is going to be some coming today. Do drop a like, subscribe, all those usual YouTubey things. Um, and uh, shall we just shall we get straight into it? Shall we just talk about it? Um, Aston Villa won Arsenal nil. Arsenal lost not because of Villa, but because they couldn't finish their dinner. And VAR is just simply horrendous. I am going to really struggle with the fallout of this game like I struggled with the reflection of this game as I walked out of Villa Park and waited in a very very long queue for a train met some very nice people some very nice Arsenal fans on the way home by the way um in multiple situations actually in multiple trains um which was kind of the upside of the day as well as Bournemouth beating Man United 3-0 at home which is kind of hilarious um but I don't want to focus on that because I want to focus on the game, even though I want to focus on the positive things because they're the things that keep me going. 
But what, I, what, I, what I'm going to get really annoyed by in the coming days, weeks, is the praise that Aston Villa will get for this. The praise that Aston Villa will get for winning this game. And look, to a degree, you respect Emi Martinez's performance, which was very, very good. He respects the substitutions by Unai Emery, which certainly changed the game in a good way for them and helped them to, to keep the lead. But other than that, the best way to, to think about the Aston Villa performance is that flip the script a second, put Aston Villa in Arsenal's place. If Arsenal were at home and played how Villa did with the high line that they did, playing into their opponent's strengths, came out with a win that was only at the merit of decisions having to wildly go in their favour and for the opposition to miss chance after chance after chance. We would be coming out of that game thinking, my goodness me, we've got away with one there and there are some serious questions. I think that's how we would be looking at it if it was that way around. But we're not on that side of the fence today. We're on the other side and it's not a nice place to be because... It's a side of the fence that we continue to, to always be on. The side of the fence that just doesn't give you the, the right calls, doesn't give you the right decisions, misses clear and obvious errors. And we are in a situation now, and I'll come on to this in more detail later, where our manager has been theoretically bound and gagged into giving his own personal and honest opinion on things. Because if you do that, the hammer comes down. We're still awaiting the final results of his FA charge that happened weeks ago. And I wonder if there's going to be another touchline ban. And I wonder what game that might be that he might get that ban, if indeed he gets one. But we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. So McGinn and Dunn, Aston Villa scored. Um, created very much little else besides a few counter-attacks. David Rea, really good save. Molly Watkins, uh, that was onside, I think, looking at the replay, very close that call was. So David Rea pulled off a very good save in that moment. Um, but Arsenal defensively not good enough in this um, when they did concede. Ben White not good enough. Probably Ben White's poorest performance of the season, to be fair. Um, and there's been a few question marks about him defensively. Has there been um, Ben White? Arsenal defensively on the left were caught out in the area in which obviously we always seem to get caught out. So whilst we were certainly good going forwards and are good at building up play on the left-hand side, building up play, we were good on the left, finishing our chances on the left. We certainly weren't. Um, it was McGinn and Dunn for Villa. You know, they scored early, like they did last season, but Arsenal didn't have anything to, to to hit back with in a meaningful way, in a clinical way. And it got them the result that they they wanted and that they didn't deserve like they did against Manchester City. You know, that was a fantastic performance from Villa. That was the performance I thought we were going to see from Villa, an attempt to replicate what they did against Man City. But it wasn't Arsenal with the dominant team on the night and certainly deserved far more than they ended up getting. Gabriel Martinelli was a... Was, it was probably his poorest performance of the season as well. Um, wasted the perfect game, I think, for him. Martinelli, I think, is one of, if not our fastest player. And when you play such a high line like Villa did and you get in so many times down the left-hand side, you have to try and take the opportunities that come your way. And he didn't do that. He wasn't as effective as he really should have been. And I was gutted when he came off, not because I didn't feel it was deserved, because I think, yeah, sure, he wasn't. He wasn't producing in the in in the final third and he wasn't um, finishing. He wasn't getting the right passes in. But I actually thought it was the wrong choice. I thought it was a mistake to take Martinelli off. Because the thing is, with Trossard, Trossard isn't Martinelli. Trossard is not a fast winger. And that's why I've been saying for a long time, for those that think that a striker is what we desperately need, I'm like, no, it's really not. 
We need another really fast wide forward. We need another rapid player because it's these types of games where we only have Trossard coming off the bench who is a different type of player. Trossard's great when you go up against those low blocks because he's really good and technical and he can get those balls to the box really well. His movement's really good. But if you're playing against a higher line and you're playing those balls in behind the left-hand side, as soon as we took Martinelli off, we lacked that edge again. We lacked that speed. We lacked it. So even though Martinelli wasn't giving enough in terms of his end product in this game in particular, even though he wasn't giving that, I felt as though maybe it would have been the right decision to keep him on. Or if you wanted to bring another winger on, maybe Nelson would have been the better pick because Nelson's faster and got that more winger style um, than Trossard does. So I think maybe we got that a little bit wrong um, regarding the the substitution of Martinelli. But yeah, really, really disappointing in the end um, with that. Martin Erdegaard missed two massive chances. Two really... Really, really big chances. And the the you know the one I'm talking about mainly where he shoots to Martinez's right, his left, and it's like such a great chance. It's really good build-up from Arsenal. Everything that was in that moment, Havertz and Jesus and the layoff, and it's it should be a goal. And in any other game, I think he scores. It just felt like nothing was going to go in. Nothing was working for us. Any other game, I think he scores. Um, and Martin Odegaard just didn't finish it here today. Uh, and was very, very frustrated over his performance. And I chat with him after the game. He's very, very frustrated. And understandably so. Um, it, he didn't seem right. Um, he just he didn't seem right last night. Um, you know, he's been big for us, huge for us. He's a world-class player um, without question. And anyone questioning his ability is frankly absurd beyond measure. Um, but he didn't have a good game yesterday and he couldn't finish. Um couldn't finish in the right way in the right moments and sadly it cost us um because had he have done i think we probably would have gone 1-1 in that moment and probably gone on to win the game but uh it wasn't to be but beyond the fact that we couldn't finish our dinner and we couldn't score the chances that presented themselves we were utterly and entirely not playing just against aston villa yesterday we were and we haven't been we haven't been playing against just the opponents for a very long time and Arsenal have a target on their back. Arteta has a target on his back. And Arsenal are treated differently to everybody else. Period. We just are. We're just treated. We're just not the same as anybody else when they're refereed. We're just not. If this is if this situation, if you're listening on audio, what we're looking at here is a picture of Gabriel Jesus being kicked in the back of the leg in the box by Douglas Louise. If this happens against if it's us doing this, it's a penalty. If this is the other end of the field and Gabriel kicks through Ollie Watkins in the same way that Luis kicks through Gabriel Jesus, it's a penalty to Aston Villa. I would bet my life savings on it because it's just the way it goes. It just is different. It is different for us. We are just treated differently. And that's the way that it goes. It's just the way that it is. And if we have to, if we win the league, we won't just be winning the Premier League against 19 other clubs. We'll be winning it against the Premier League and the FA and everyone as well. That's what we'll be doing because we are, as I keep saying, treated differently. We just are. And I'm so sick of it. I'm just so entirely... It just makes football boring. It just makes it boring because you're not playing on a level playing field. You're just not. And Arsenal continually seem to have this situation grow where their manager can't speak. I'll talk about that shortly. And the decisions that should fall our way don't. VAR is a menace. 
the people behind it are, you know, the technology itself isn't, but the, the people behind it are an absolute menace to the game. I just scrap it at this stage, you know, I'm sure. Because the thing is, like, referees aren't making calls anymore. Ironically, the one that they did make at the end of the game of Havertz, which again we'll talk about, is made on a complete guess, if we're honest. The ref guesses with that. I'm shocked that the referee even gave that. Um, but I think that this is disgusting. It's a, disg- it's a disgrace. <laughs> like, it's a disgrace. It's embarrassing. How can you punish Mikel Arteta for using these words when they are the words to describe the system? How can you punish him for that? How can you punish Arteta for that? when he is talking pure facts, pure facts. It is disgraceful. It is embarrassing. I am sick of it. Arteta is so spot on in his analysis of these decisions and of these people and of this technology and the use of it. It's a clear penalty. It's a clear penalty. It's not even silly. It's not even funny. It's not funny. It's not funny at all. I haven't laughed once about this game. It's just not funny because it's boring. I'm so sick of Arsenal being treated differently now. Um, this, this, if anything, like this situation, it's a blatant red card on Eddie and Ketia. And do you know what the funniest thing that exposes how ridiculous Jared Gillett is as a referee in this game is that Diego Carlos gets a yellow card. Now, if you're watching on YouTube and if you're not and you're on Spotify and you haven't seen this image, I suggest you hop over. Because what I want you to do is look at the bottom of the picture. Now, I'm going to wait. And let me see if anyone in the chat box can notice what I notice when I see this. And I'll give you a clue. Diego Carlos was given a yellow card. Now, tell me what you see at the bottom of this picture, which tells me why it is staggering that Diego Carlos received a yellow card for this in any reason as to why. Can anyone tell me? Can any? (laughs) Thank you, Jorgen. The ref's not looking. The ref's not looking at it. He doesn't see it. He does not see it. He doesn't see it. He's not looking at it, and yet he can decide to give a yellow card for this. No one else is looking at it either. The the linesmen are looking at the the potential offsides. They missed that as well. And yet a yellow card could be given. How can a yellow card be given? If a card is being given for this incident, and it's not then flagged up to VAR. And if you're saying the linesman saw it, why is he not flagging? Why is there no flag gone up? If the linesman's seen it, surely the flag goes up. So they've not seen it because no one's flagged for it. And the ref's not can't see it because he looks nine, 180 degrees in the other direction. And yet it doesn't go to VAR and VAR don't even send the referee to the monitor. It's, you know, it's it's just assault. It's the same as the Bruno Guimaraes situation. But I guess, you know, forearms, will be told, are made of marshmallows and clouds. So they don't hurt you. Forearms, they can't hurt you. They might phase through you, you know. I was watching um, the Marvels the other week and there was a superhero in that, like, phase through people. I'm assuming that Diego Carlos shares the same power and just phases through and Nketiah was just kind of expecting it to hit him and jumped out of the way. Um, no, it's just a red card. It's awful. I'm, I'm really struggling not to swear on this show this morning, so sorry. Cover your kids' ears. Um, now, the one that, I'm, that is the least... It's, it's the least controversial in the rules. And a lot of you are going to disagree with me on this because a lot of people disagree with me on social media, and I'll, I've tried to explain it. By the way, still images are never, ever, ever going to give you... So if you're if you're ever in a debate about the handball with Havertz, 
If you're ever in a debate, don't use still images. I'm using still images because I can't show you video for copyright reasons. If you're ever in a debate, don't show them still images. Show them the video, right? So let me talk you through this. Ball comes into the box. Havertz plays the ball onto Matty Cash's upper arm. The upper arm where the ball hits Matty Cash is not handball. So can we forget about the idea that Matty Cash, quote-unquote, handballed it first? He doesn't. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but this is the rule. Where it hits him on his arm, and the proximity is ridiculous anyway, where the ball hits him on his arm is the cutoff point for where handball it like starts and ends. It's you, you don't see them given for where the ball hits Matty Cash on the arm. You just don't. Okay, so we can have we can eradicate the whole Matty Cash handball at first. He doesn't because where the ball hits him on his arm is a the proximity was too close and b it doesn't matter anyway because it doesn't hit him on the part of the arm that actually counts as handball. So we can get rid of that for starters. Just that's just the law. So it's not debatable. It's not subjective. It's the law. So we can get over that. Secondly. The ball then comes back when it goes into the box. And as you can see, it does hit his arm. That's what I'm saying. Watch the video. Watch the video because the ball strikes Havertz's right forearm near his, near his hand and changes direction. And that's what gives them the evidence to rule the goal out in the end. And then thirdly, it then hits Matty Cash's left arm after it hits Havertz's right forearm. And then it hits Havertz's right hand again. It actually hits Havertz twice on the arm in the build-up to this goal. And then to just get rid of any kind of discrepancies over who scored, Havertz was the one that finishes. Eddie and Ketty doesn't get a single touch on the ball. I had the benefit of seeing every single replay and every single angle at the time. And it became very obvious very quickly that Eddie and Ketty does not touch this ball at all. Havertz is the one that little flicks it in. And because it was Havertz that scored, it's handled by the rules. And Ketia, had he scored, had Enketia put the ball in the back of the net, then um, it would have counted and Arsenal would be running away with a 1-1 draw and probably very happy with it, to be fair, considering how we played. So whilst I'm fuming and angry at the penalty, whilst I'm fuming and angry at the red card, by the letter of the law, this is, this is handball and shouldn't count. Now, the discussion that we need to have, the discussion that we need to talk about is obviously the handball rule itself. It's ridiculous. I don't think there's too much debate about this. This should never in a million years be handball. It's not intentional. He doesn't mean to do this. We've seen it in the Manchester United game, Uatara at the end. He doesn't mean to handball it. He's stumbling forwards. His arms are flailing. In this situation, you have no control really over where your hands are. Neither does Matty Cash, by the way. And I think in these situations, there should be the benefit of the doubt just given to the centre forward in this situation. And, you know, the goal stands. That's that's the problem. You shouldn't be annoyed at the the application of the rule because it's not because it is by the letter of the law a handball and i've talked you through the reasons why and as i said don't use images don't send me still images because only send me the video because the video shows you exactly why it is handball um but it shouldn't be you know the rule is ridiculous the rule is stupid it's really unlucky for us um because we did deserve more than we got in this game we didn't deserve to lose this game um and uh yeah had as i said had Nketiah fired the ball in the back of the net which he didn't um, we would have been running away with a 1-1, but because it was Havertz that did it through no fault of his own, by the way. Havertz, I thought, had a good game and in the uh, probably one of our better players, in fact, and deserved to get another goal. Um, so, yeah, it was a real real, real shame for Havertz, but Vinketti gets his foot to it first. <laughs> it's 1-1 and uh, it is what it is. Now, Mikel Arteta has been silenced and it is disgraceful. You watch back his post-match interview 
you watch back his um his press conference all of that will tell you all that will show you that he can't speak his mind people can't have opinions anymore it's a dictatorship is what this is we are silenced managers are silenced players are silenced players can't make an opinion managers can't comment because if you do you will be punished you will be unless your name's Roberto Deserbi of course in which you can turn around and say that you don't like 80% of referees and get a slap on the wrist. But in particular, um, Mikel Arteta is is just treated differently because he's he's young and he's uh, he's at Arsenal and he's a really encouraging manager that challenges the elite, I think, and has challenged the elite with his his style and his play and his players as well. And it's like Arsenal don't deserve to be where they are, so we're going to change that. Mikel Arteta shouldn't be able to call us embarrassing, even though we all know that it is. Mikel Arteta can't be allowed to call us a disgrace, even though it is disgraceful. So we're going to punish him and we're going to silence him and we're going to metaphorically gag the guy to stop him from speaking. And that's how he feels now. And that's what's so apparently and blatantly obvious is that he feels he can't speak his mind. Post-match interviews and press conferences may as well not happen when you're talking about refereeing decisions. They should just make it illegal for them to ask questions about any of the refereeing choices because managers cannot speak their mind anymore. Managers cannot speak their mind. Arteta in particular. Arteta can't can't speak his mind anymore. Arteta can't give an honest opinion because he will get banned. He will get carded. He will get fined. He will get sent to the stands. He is, as I've said throughout this entire show so far, he is treated differently because he's Mikel Arteta and he dare question the powers that be. It's disgraceful. If you want a little bit of positivity on a really, really dark day, uh, Ethan Nwaneri scored five goals um, in a 7-1 Youth Cup win for Arsenal's under-18. So I'd love to see him play on Tuesday against PSV. I think you play the kids, play the fringe players, give Nwaneri a chance in the in the Champions League. You know? Um he scored five goals for our under-18s. He's a star. He's a talent. And uh, I hope that we start to give him more opportunities in the senior side. Um, so, yeah, let's let's wait and see what uh, what happens. Right, let's go to part two and your questions. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Wow, I, was, I ended up getting silenced before the end of part two, before the end of part one then. <laughs> the mid part played by itself. They want to silence me. They're hacking in. They're hacking in now and stopping me from talking. Um, yeah, so... Oh, 
it was weird because like, I was looking forward to doing the show in some ways because I wanted to get a lot off my chest. And I think I've done that. And in some ways, I know that there's probably going to be comments that are going to annoy me. <laughs> um, let's, uh, let's, let's go into the chat. Let's, let's take some of your questions, shall we? Um, George said, do they consult the managers and players before making up these rules? Don't know. Maybe. They often do those consultation ref meetings with managers at the start of the season. They obviously give managers and players and uh, sorry, not players, the um, the teams the chance to vote on certain things. Um, and that, by the way, is a silly system because you need full team teams to, to pass a vote. If you have seven teams that say no, then it's no, as we saw with the recent um, loophole with the the loaning of players from clubs that are owned by the same team, which, by the way, shouldn't be put to a vote of the clubs. It should just be outlawed because it's a joke. <laughs> That's another joke of a decision. This sport, man. This sport is ridiculous. Igbo says, why was the bait penalty not given against Jesus? Your guess is as good as mine, Igbo. There is no reason. There is no reason why that penalty shouldn't be given. Absolutely no reason at all. It's a foul. He kicks him in the back of the leg. And it's not like Jesus kicks the ball away so we can't even go get it. He only like touches the ball slightly ahead of him. And then Luis just clears him. Utterly clears him. As I said, if we win the league this season, we won't have just won the league against 19 other teams. We would have won the league against the powers that be as well. And that's why I necessarily can't see it happen. I can't see... For us to overcome the odds that are against us, for Arsenal to overcome what the challenges they face, where they're not getting the decisions that other teams get, they're not getting the fortune that other teams get. You know, it's it's almost, it's crazy. It's crazy. But there is also the fact, matter of fact that the referees and officials are not good enough. They're terrible. The, the quality and standard of refereeing is is deplorable. Um, And uh, they've actually introduced a lot more I think there's a fair few new referees coming to the league this season. Do you notice something, though, about all of them? There's something very similar about all of them. Um, <laughs> you haven't called it by now. I don't think you ever will. Um, oh, Dave says, Tom, if you had to predict what percentage would you put on Ethan O'Neary becoming a starter for us someday? Oh, 70%. I think he's a brilliant, brilliant talent. Yeah, one of one of the best in the, in the academy, for sure. Um, Marcus says, off to the ladies today. Uh, hopefully they can topple Chelsea. It will not be easy. Yeah, I mean, that's the only thing that could really save the weekend a little bit, you know, is the is, is the hope that we can down Chelsea. Very, very tough. But that would that would be nice um, to, to end the weekend on a, on a high. George says, we so love watching post-match interviews. It shows the emotion and passion. Why remove it from the beautiful game? And the thing is, like, no, no manager is going into... Um, interviews and saying that the referees are cheats no one's going into the, the post-match interviews and saying like an abusing referees saying that a performance of a referee was embarrassing or the performance of a referee was disgraceful is is not crossing a line it might be a little hyperbolic sure but in the emotion of the game in the context of the game there is nothing wrong with that especially when it's accurate I think Stuart Atwell, was there a... I don't want to get this wrong, because it would be wrong if I did. Uh, Atwell, Arsenal. I'm pretty sure he came out with a quote the other day. Um, I thought there was... Maybe, I, maybe, I was, maybe I've been fooled by someone on social media, but I, sh I thought there was something to do with the Arsenal VAR 
um, at Newcastle saying something about going to the monitor, but I may have been um, duped by a someone online making something up. But I thought I saw a quote, um, but I'm not going to use it because I can't see it on Google. And if it's just coming from social media, then it's very, very risky indeed. Um, Rich, who is an Aston Villa fan, says, um, you had so many chances to win the game, but we're not clinical in front of goal. It's been a great week for Villa. Wish you all well. And uh, this, when, when rival fans come to the chat, these are the types of comments that I hope for. You know, it's not riling us up. It's not mucking us off. It's not trying to get a reaction. It's just from a, a completely fair perspective. So, Rich, I wish you well for the rest of the season other than when you come to Arsenal, of course. Um, and you're spot on. You know, we had a lot of chances to win the game. We didn't take them. And that's the big thing. However, I would be, Rich, very interested to get your thoughts on the penalty call for Jesus and the red card from Diego Carlos because I think it was a blatant penalty. Um, and I think it was a blatant red card. But by the letter of the law, the Havertz handball was correctly ruled out. So, um, but yeah, that's the type of rival fan response that I live for. It's those types of comments. So thank you, Rich, for your contribution to the show. Um, JD says, Klopp has criticised Paul Tierney before I remember his comments being more disrespectful than Arteta's, but he wasn't punished. There's double standards. Uh, Stuart says, in your opinion, how do we influence real change in refereeing? I don't know, mate. I, I don't know. Um, there's a recent there's a recent um, movement about, you know, trying to stop abusive referees, which I agree with. I agree with that. That said, I do feel as though that a movement to improve, um, you know, I think a, move, a, a movement to improve the treatment of referees should be begun at the same time as a movement to improve the quality of the officiating. Because I think those two go hand in hand. If we improve the officiating of the officials, there will be less instances of abuse. Now, I'm very cautious of saying that because there is, and you probably could fairly accuse me of legitimizing the abuse in some way, saying, well, if they were better, they wouldn't get abused, which would be wrong to say, because abuse is categorically, bottom line, not acceptable. And referees shouldn't get abused because, as I've talked about on the show before, um, if we don't respect the referees, um, you won't get people becoming referees and we need referees to be in the game. So that's important. But I do think that a, you know, a movement to try and curb the abuse of referees is right, but should be done alongside a movement to try and improve the quality and diversity of officiating as well. Um, Vegas Gunner says, are all the rest in the Premier League from the Manchester area? Most of them are from up north and all of them, I think, now, even after they've added some new ones, apologies if this is incorrect, but I think all of them are white. There is no diversity in Premier League officiating, none at all. Um, none whatsoever. Uh, the Arsenal perspective says, I think now that we have to play the game knowing that we won't get many slash any decisions, we, we must just win the game with our 11 against the opponents, which is seemingly quote unquote 12. And you're not wrong. We Deserve more than we that we came away with yesterday. I, th I don't think that's controversial. I don't think many Aston Villa fans would disagree that Arsenal deserved more than than what the scoreline ended up being. But we didn't take our chances. Um, and that was a really, really big problem. Um, Gunner Dude says, uh, Tom, there was a lot of negativity last night about the team, but I thought we did all right. It was just one of those occasions where we came up as a team on a tidal wave of momentum. You know, I agree with you. I'm not I'm not re I'm not worried about that performance. I'm not worried about that performance at all. I'm worried about our finishing. I'm worried about us not taking our chances. But if we think about Arsenal at the start of the season, we were winning games and have been winning games, but haven't necessarily been creating loads of chances. 
that was one of our big problems at the beginning of the season is we weren't really creating enough chances, even though we were picking up some key and big wins. But yesterday we created more chances than we created in a number of games combined that we won yesterday, you know. So it's just that it's just that little bit. It's just that 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 fine line between scoring and not that was the difference between Arsenal picking up points or one point yesterday and, and not. So I'm not con- I wasn't concerned by the performance. I think defensively there's a few questions about the goal. Um Ben White obviously coming back for his injury hasn't not looked on it. We missed Tommy Asu. We missed Partey. We missed Timber. Yeah, we've got so many stupid injuries out at the moment. It's so frustrating. Arsenal can't go for a season without losing loads of key players for loads of games. It's just the way it goes. And people talk about, oh, well, Arsenal should invest in more depth. And it's like Timber, whole season. Partey, nearly all season. Tommy Asu's now out for more than a month. Jesus had another knee issue at the start of the season. We've lost Smith Rowe for weeks again. Vieira's out for more than a month until the new year. They're like, we have depth. It's gone. We don't have depth because it's gone. <laughs> We've got five major injuries that's keeping players out for extended periods. So don't come at me about we should have spent more in the summer. We had we have loads of depth. Loads of depth. Rich says if the penalty was given, VAR wouldn't have overturned it. VAR is an arse, and I've seen the same given. And that's the thing, is that like we've seen those given by VAR. <laughs> And uh, and we've seen them not. And it's just that consistency, Rich, that we are lacking. We're lacking that consistency in the game. Some refs give them, some don't. I think by the letter of the law, it's a blatant pen. Like, Louise gets nothing on the ball and he gets all Jesus's leg and brings him to the ground. It's, you know, it's a blatant penalty. Um, African Fury TV says, you missed when the ball hit the ref and went to a Villa player right after when the Villa player gave the ball to an Arsenal player near the box and the ref called the play back. I was fuming. Again, it's the rules, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, referee getting in the way. It's never happened before, has it? Um, Monkey Berry says, if Mikel was on the touchline yesterday, do you think he might have affected the performance in a more positive way? Potentially, yeah. You know, not having him on the touchline is definitely a factor. I think it may be us not looking as good as maybe we could have been. So yeah, you know. I remember sitting here and watching people say that Albert Stubenberg should take over from Arteta after we played so well against Manchester City. <laughs> When he had that other last game where he was on the touchline. I don't think there's many people saying that now. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, John says, is there a correlation between the World Cup and the amount of serious injuries this season? Probably. There's been a huge amount of injuries this season for key teams. So, I'm sure that there is. There's definitely a correlation between the number of games and the number of injuries over the last couple of decades. As games increase, injuries increase, fatigue increases, you know, yeah, without question. Ethan says, uh, Tom, do you think removing the term clear and obvious and just getting refs to review these instants would be more helpful? Stuff the off-field screen, bring it to them on the field and speed it up. Um, yeah, you could have like a screen come down from the heavens in front of the referee, or they could have like a, a monitor on them, maybe. They have like a little digital device which they can pull out, it's Wi-Fi connected and they can watch it there they don't have to run over to the monitor they could just assess it on a screen that's on their person and uh, make a decision there i think the big problem with it now is that referees are relying on var you know we know that they do it with offsides you know because they don't put their flag up anymore but referees aren't making decisions anymore referees are letting the play go on and then hoping that if there's a mistake made that that the var does it and the problem with that and the biggest backwards th- way of thinking about it is the idea is that VAR is not there 
to re-referee the game. But referees are expecting it to because they're saying, oh, if something's a bit borderline, they're not giving the decision anymore. They're not giving the decisions because they're relying on the VAR to turn around and tell them if they've made a mistake. The problem with that is, is if there is something like yesterday where there's an arguable, I don't even think it's arguable, to be fair, that it wasn't a penalty. But if the ref gives that, there is no way on God's green earth that they rule that out if the referee gives the penalty. No way in hell is VAR not or overturning a decision to give Arsenal a penalty. And that's the problem, is that referees won't make calls anymore. And the irony is that the, ref the call the referee did made was right at the end of the game when he ruled out the Havertz goal with a complete guess. He completely guessed um, with that. Got it right, but he guessed. And that's a problem. When the referees are guessing, it's a problem. So... You gotta give the you've got to give the decisions. You can't rely on the VAR to, to bail you out because the VAR's rules aren't designed to bail referees out because the VAR is not there to re-referee games. And so if you don't make calls, the VAR isn't gonna back you up, you know, because you've got to have the VAR to change the referee's decision that are given. That's what they should be there for. The VAR should be there to change a referee's call that is made that they give, in my opinion. So referees should be encouraged to give decisions that are borderline, and then the VAR can rule out whether or not it's clear and obvious. So if the referee thinks there's a chance something could be a red card, give the red card, and then VAR can overturn it. If the referee thinks there's potential for a penalty, or if there looks like there's a foul, give the penalty. And then if we can assess those things and we realise, no, it's not a red card, or no, it's not a penalty, then the VAR can rule it out. But when we're in a situation where the referee's not given the call, then it is up to the VAR to re-referee the game and to then make that call. And that's just wrong. It's just broken. It doesn't work. And so, yeah, unfortunately, we're in a position whereby even if it's any other clubs, Arsenal, as I've said before, just it feels like we're very much treated differently as a football club. And that's the way it goes. And there's too much evidence to suggest now that that's not the case. Uh, Florinda says Martinelli was the worst player yesterday and Trossard failed to make an impact on the game. In January, we need to sign at least four players. Good luck with that. Not happening. <laughs> Again, like this. And the thing is that people will actually criticise Arsenal for not signing four players. And that's a problem. That's a problem. Because it's not realistic and it's not because Arsenal have got five key players out injured at the moment. So I'm not surprised people say we need to sign four players because we've got five key players that could start for us out. Vieira sometimes could start for us in left eight. Smith Rowe sometimes could start for us. Timberson certainly start for us. Tommy Asu can certainly start for us. Partey can certainly start for us. And we've got five potential starting players out. And we're saying we need four players. I'm not surprised people say we need four players, but it is ludicrous to think that we would get four players in January. The idea is that, you know, that uh, that we can go into the market and probably get one, maybe two, if we're very lucky. So, yeah. Uh, Clario says, humble yourselves. Thought you only had to turn up up the Villa. <laughs> Again, the complete two ends of the spectrum. Rich, Villa fan, absolutely brilliant. Really thoughtful comment. Clario, anonymous idiot. So, yeah, it's the way it goes. <laughs> you can always have both ends of the spectrum, can't you? Um, Arsenal Perspective says, sign four players. Sorry, that's not going to happen. The sign four players, do you really think that they will have bit, have they will have bed in straight away? Oh, sorry. I was really wondering what that meant for a second. Uh, we might not sign half that. Um, Mr. Cut Skies says, Arsenal take two to four years to win the Premier League. Not too long. 
The best time to win the Premier League is last year, but they bottled it. Saka and Martinelli are beasts, and Arsenal have Xhaka, and the Xhaka is a beast at Bayer Leverkusen. Um, I don't think we've missed Xhaka in the same way that a lot of people think we might have. Um, would we have benefited from having Xhaka this season? Yeah, we probably would. Um, but I don't think that's... I, if you look at where Arsenal are this season compared to last season, I don't think Xhaka's exit you know, is, is a reason why we're not top of the league right now. Arsenal's chance in saying we didn't bottle it last season, by the way. You know, we lost our very we lost our best player of last season, which was William Saliba. Um, you know, we didn't have Partey for a, a number of key games at the end of the season either. It was very obvious why Arsenal didn't win the league. You can't bottle something when the team that you go on to win the league have won the treble and have won every single game until they win the title after they drop points in February or wherever it was. It's not bottling things at all. <laughs> That's just the reality of football. Um, so yeah, it is what it is. Hopefully, Arsenal can go on and do it this season, but I'm not entirely confident. I've said before, Arsenal weren't my favourites to win the league this season. They're still not my favourites to win the league this season, and so I don't expect them to win the league this season. But I hopefully, aim for us to win the league this season, and we have to try and go as far in the Champions League as we feasibly can. Amira says, "Why does it feel illegal for fans to talk about VAR? Win and it's you won. Stop complaining. Lose and it's you didn't do enough, which can't be true. But why do players have to do more, but not the refs?" There was a really interesting quote from Jesus against Southampton last season um, where he talked about trying to stay honest um, during that situation. Uh, let me see if I can find the quote. Um, here it is. Gabriel Jesus details his chat with referee who wrongly denied Arsenal a penalty in the game. He said, um, I don't like to. Oh, here we go. Hold on. Where is it? Boom, 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 boom. I don't like to talk about the referees' decisions. I just want to talk about our performance. But sometimes it can change the game. I spoke with him right after, and he said, "If you go down there, maybe I can give a penalty." But I think I was fair. I tried to hold, tried to keep standing, tried to finish the action. But at the end, he grabbed me, and it was impossible. So I go down normally. Um, but that is not the reason why we didn't win the game, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's very honest, you know. And this time around, he goes down. Jesus goes down because he gets kicked in the box and it's a foul and it's not given. So he goes down under referee's instructions to go down because that's when they can maybe give the decisions according to the referee and nothing's given. So what do you do? What do you do? Um, Chris says, Tom, if we get a better striker, Jesus can go on the wing. We've lost the move in. I'm sorry, but like Jesus was, was arguably our think alongside Havertz and Rice, our best player yesterday. Everything we did involved Jesus. The, the movement in the box, the way in which he was linking up play in the middle. And if you've got a different type of striker, if you've got a more traditional centre forward, I'm sorry, but we don't create as many chances as we create yesterday. I don't think we get into necessarily any more, maybe even less scoring positions than we did yesterday. Jesus was really, really important. Really, really important. So it is what it is. Uh, Nigel says you moved on with, you, you miss your chances. That's it. Move on with grace. Look, again, it's just hypocrisy at the end of the day. And we're going to get, because obviously the, the video has the words Aston Villa. And I've got a few friends who are Aston Villa fans. And I, I have a lot of respect for Aston Villa as a football club. I think they've done great things to come from where they've come from. of getting relegated not so long ago to decide to sack Steven Gerrard and bring in a coach who's a good coach, Nuno Emery. Perfect type of club for him. And he's taken Aston Villa to a level in which, you know, a fair few years ago, no one thought possible. But fans like Nigel are a problem. Fans like, like Nigel are an issue because they, lacked, they lack objectivity. They lack 
fairness, and the irony is, as I'm sure Nigel has been one of those people that when Aston Villa have been mugged off by a decision that they can't shut up about it. And that's the issue. That's the problem. Is that the fairest analysis of this game is that Arsenal deserve more than what they got. Arsenal were mugged off by the referee's decision-making. Arsenal were terrible finishers. That's the situation. And if this was the other way around, and it was Unai Emery in charge of an Arsenal side that played like that, I wouldn't be necessarily too happy with the performance. And I would think that we got away with one. And there should be no Villa fan that doesn't think they got away with one yesterday, because they did. It's not about having grace. It's about football, mate. Grace. You probably haven't shown any grace in your life when Villa have lost. Uh, Darrow says, uh, do you know why Nelly wasn't making runs in behind? He was faster than their whole back line. And they played with such a high line as well. Um, he was making runs in behind. He just didn't have that. He just didn't have that necessary, like, what's the word? Um, cutting edge. He didn't have the finish. He didn't have the final product. And so that's why things were different. Um, Martinelli was making runs in behind but he just wasn't doing enough when he did make those runs in behind. And that was a problem. Um, Front Yard says, Tom, I think yesterday was an example of something I've wanted for a long time, which is an upgrade in right back. Ben White is amazing, but there are better ones out there. I don't think it's necessarily about upgrading on Ben White. I think it's about bringing in something different to Ben White. So I'm a big fan of Jeremy Frimpong at Bayer Leverkusen. You know, I'd like to see Arsenal have a different type of option. Fullback, a varied option, someone who's more offensive, someone that's like, you know, if you're losing and you need someone else, you can bring on a really, you can bring on a wing back. You know, that's what I want. It's finding someone who is different to Ben White, I think, is what's important. So, yeah. Uh, Akbar says, Am I the only one who thought Saka was worse than Martinelli yesterday? Maybe. I thought Saka had a good game, um, just was kicked to pieces and not protected. And had a better end product in the end, I thought, than than uh, than Martinelli. I know that didn't result in a goal, but I think he looked more threatening than Martinelli did on on the day. Uh, Adura says, thoughts on changes that we need to make going into Liverpool? Pray that Tomiyasu gets fit, which he won't. Pray that Partey comes back, which he won't. Um, so, yeah. Clive says, Ben White was carrying an injury. He is so strapped up. Yeah, he is. And he plays through injuries a lot and stuff. I don't think it's unfair to say that I'd quite like a different type of fullback, though. I don't think it's unfair to say that Ben White didn't have his best of games. There's reasons, as Clive points out, that you know he's suffering with an injury um, and he's playing through pain and playing through these issues. Even though Arteta turned around, to be fair, Arteta did turn around in his press conference and said the words, he's perfect. So, you know, um, <laughs> if we're going to try and take Arteta's words for what they are, as we often try and do, he did turn around and say that Ben White is quote-unquote perfect. So it's difficult to... Uh, to say, you know, given the benefit of doubt when we're hearing things like that. But I'm certainly mature enough to, to admit and say and recognise that Benoit is not fully fit. It doesn't seem and he is still recovering from that injury. So I don't think it's unfair to say that I'd quite like something different as another option. And as Mikey points out, we might already have that because we might have that in Yuri and Timber. And maybe we were doing different things with Yuri and Timber. And maybe Timber would have offered something a bit different to what we've already had with Benoit. So it could be that we already have that player. But we won't know until maybe either the end of this season or maybe even into next season. We might not even know. And that sucks. Sucks a lot. Um, Because, yeah, this season could have been very different if we'd have had a little bit of extra luck with players and ultimately decisions, the right decisions being made on the day. Um, Let's go. Sabre says, are we going to talk about Raya? He was incredibly flappy yesterday. 
Okay. I think this is a great example of the perception being affected by the debate. Now, there was a moment at the start of the game where Raya has to climb above, was it Saliba or Gabriel, one of the two centre-halves? Watkins is there and he struggles to get hold of the ball. That was the only time in the entire game that I thought that you could use the word flappy to describe Raya, that one. If it wasn't for David Raya, we would have lost this game 2-0, maybe 3-0. He made a humongously good save from a Watkins shot that was, for me, onside. From the replay I saw, he looked onside, didn't have the benefit of the lines, and there wasn't any VAR check because he saved it. But this, for me, and Sabri, I'm sorry to call you out because you are one of our long-term listeners, and I'm not disrespecting you by doing so. And I think it's important to point this out. I think this is where the debate about Raya Ramsdale is starting to affect perceptions of performances. Uh, he had one poor moment, which was, as I've described, that moment where he climbed above one of the centre-halves and couldn't quite catch the ball. Just that moment. And yet some, that includes you, think that he had a poor display. And Sabre says, no, it's fine, I'll take this. And that's this is this is what I mean. There's no disrespect moment by this because Sabre is one of our long-term listeners. But you're wrong on this one. <laughs> um, Raya was, 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 was great, um, was one of our better performers. I couldn't necessarily do anything about the goal. He's unsighted. The defender should do better to prevent the shot. Um, and it's past him. It's very well hit, well hit shot from McGinn. Does really well to spin, but it should be defended a lot better. But yeah, I worry that, and I'm glad to be honest, I'm really glad that that comment's come up because I think that Sabre sometimes, that comment represents what a lot of people unfortunately fall into the trap of is that the debate around the goalkeepers, the frustration that Ramsdale isn't playing affects our perception of a performance. And actually, if you go back and watch the game, he was he was good. And the save from Watkins is world-class. It's a world-class save. It's one of the best saves I've seen in a long time from an Arsenal guy. I say a long time, probably since Ramsdale's at Liverpool, you know. Uh, to be fair, since Raya's in the North London derby. But as a reaction save, you know, uh, it was it was world-class. World-class. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought that coming up because it actually enabled me to talk a bit about Raya's performance. So, thank you for that. Um, James says, I will say the fact that Raya with his arms can't seem to out-jump anyone over six foot, and that's a bit of a worry for me. Maybe. Um, potentially. Um, I, his, his stats for collecting crosses last season were excellent for Brentford. So I'm not going to judge that because the, the you know the record is that actually he can do it quite well. But he's had a couple of instances where he's been beaten or he's misjudged it. Again, I think the situation is making him worse than he is. I think if you want to know how good David Rea is watching him at Brentford last season, I think the dynamic that Arteta has created is hellish. And it's ultimately, I think it's, it's affected both of our goalkeepers and it needs to be rectified very, very quickly. Um, AJ says, I'm thinking about unfollowing Arsenal from social media and as a club as well. I'm so tired of this weak team, no killer instincts. AJ, I suggest you do it, mate. Go off and, you know, if this isn't for you, if this sport's not for you, if this club's not for you, if you can't stick with Arsenal through thick and thin, it's not for you. So, yeah, maybe go off and, I don't know, Red Bull Salzburg. Good team, go support them. They win the league every single year without too much challenge. Go and enjoy it. Um, this ain't for you. Um, so, yeah, I'd probably give in to those. Give in to those impulses and go and leave Arsenal for all I care. Um, Bambino says, Tom, Arsenal needs a proper centre forward. Praising Gabriel Jesus for his link-up play simply means our attacking midfielders are not good enough. We need him scoring, not creating. 
what did he do on Tuesday night? Like, didn't he score, get an assist, and had a key moment in our first goal? Like, that's what bugs me. You know, that's what really bugs me about this is that Jesus gets undue criticism. Um, like, if you have a look at what he is as a profile of player, Gabriel Jesus is perfect for Arsenal as a as a centre forward. As a centre forward, Arsenal is perfect for Arteta's system, other than the fact that his finishing could be a bit better. If his finishing was a bit better, he would be perfect. And the idea that we would go and, you know, pick up a better centre forward than him is an incredibly difficult thing to do. So uh, let's get rid of that. Continue. Can I back to main? Continue. How do I get rid of this? Let me continue. There we go. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> Ads everywhere. This is Gabriel Jesus on FB Ref. This is his profile. Now, I'd like that to be higher. Non-penalty goal, 79. I'd like that to be in the high 80s. I'd like that to be in the high 80s. His shots could be higher. His assists could be a bit higher. His expected assists, uh, goals could be... I say his assists could be higher. 80s, fantastic for a striker. Shot-creating actions. Look at how all-rounded he is. Look at what he gives this team. Look at what he brings to this this, this team. You know? It's it's that is what Arsenal's centre forward position is about. That is what Arteta wants. So those of you that want a different striker, what you need to do is ask for a different manager. That's what you need to do. Is you are you need to ask for a different manager with a different philosophy, because for what we do, he's perfect. Bar his finishing, which needs to be a bit better. And even then, I still think he scores plenty of goals. Last season, if he wasn't injured, he was on for about 17 to 18 goals. Not goal contributions, goals. You know, he got 11, 12 goals last season. He missed a third of the campaign. He was on for about 17, 18 goals last year, you know. So if you want to find somebody, you've got to find somebody that, that does this and better. It's all well and good saying, I want a striker that scores more goals. If they don't do all the other things that he does, it's pointless. It's pointless because Saka doesn't score as many. um, Martinelli doesn't score as many. Trossard doesn't score as many. Erdegaard doesn't score as many. Havertz doesn't score as many. And so our centre forward might score a few more goals, but I guarantee you the others around them don't. I guarantee you the others around them don't. There is just no way that they do. And this is the reason why. Now, is there a better player that does this type of thing? That's the question you've got to ask. I'm not sure there is too many, if any, that do this a bit better than what Gabriel Jesus does it. It's it's going to be very, very hard. I think one player, which I don't think Arsenal got a chance in signing, is Latara Martinez. Um, he's got very, very good... I mean, if I have a quick... If I show you... that's So that's um, Jesus's. Let me show you Latara Martinez. That's his um, 97 percentile for non-penalty goals, 92nd percentile for non-penalty XG, 88th, which is better than Jesus for shot-creating actions. The thing is with Latara Martinez is that he plays usually in a two-striker system, more often in a single-striker system. So I don't know if the system wouldn't work necessarily. And I think that, and obviously for Argentina, when he has played as a single-striker, he has suffered a bit. So that would be my question mark about Latara Martinez is whether or not he could translate that, you know, into that role. 
and, and, and that's what we need. We need to find a centre forward if you want to sign one. And I've got no issue with someone saying we need more firepower. I've got no problem with that. But you need to find the right firepower. You need to find the right one. Um, so for me, the, the philosophy of Arteta's attacking line is a crux of it, a cornerstone of it, is having a centre forward that connects, having a centre forward that pulls all the strings together. For those that have watched the Loki series, you know, at the end of the series where he like pulls all the time streams together and that's what we need. You know, that that's the centre forward that Arsenal need. I wish he could be better as a goal scorer. I want him to score more goals. And I think he does score more goals and does contribute more goals than people give him credit for. But that's the criticism I've got. That's what I want to see more of from him. But it's just so, it's just, in my opinion, such a lazy view in saying Arsenal need another striker just because, you know, if, if we had, you know, if we had a different striker and I'm really avoiding saying the obvious he who should not be named player's name in this show. I'm desperate to do a show without saying his name because that's the player that people say. I'm so sick of the idea of that because it just wouldn't work. Um, sorry, spoiler alert. <laughs> I've probably ruined low-key for people. Uh, sorry about that. <laughs> Hopefully you've already seen it. It's not a big spoiler. Don't worry. It's, it's not like... it's. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, James says, I do agree with... Uh, to be fair, it's been out weeks. You should have watched it by now. Uh, James says, I do agree with Tom that we need more depth in the forward positions and more likely a wide forward is probably more important than a centre forward in January. Um and that's what I'd rather see Arsenal go out and sign like a rapid player. Like if Pedro Neto can be relied upon fitness wise, and I know that I've turned around and said that, you know, I'm not really fussed about injury records anymore because everyone gets injured, injured anyway. And I know that's true. Everyone does get injured anyway. So what's the point in looking at a player's injury history? Because they're going to get injured at Arsenal anyway. But I just for me, rather than a centre forward, I'd bring in a wide forward that can play as a centre forward as well. Um I just I just don't see an upgrade on Jesus that's out there. And people will say, well, we need to sign a better upgrade than Nketiah. And I think that you do that by bringing in a versatile forward, not by bringing in another forward. I think you can bring in another wide forward, another versatile centre forward is is what we want. Um, and and that can offer you something. You know, like Cody Gakpo, when, when Liverpool signed him, I think Cody Gakpo would have been great. I think Gakpo would have been fantastic for us. Get him on the wing. Great pace, great power in behind, and can also play centre forward if you wanted him to. Like that archetypal thing, that's what I wanted. That I really wanted Arsenal to sign Gakpo. Um, and we didn't. So there you go. Uh there's Cerebral Hyper completely outing himself, saying rare is rubbish after that performance. <laughs> I love I love sometimes I don't love Arsenal losing, obviously, but I what I what the only bright side the only bright side from a content creator perspective and the one with the community is that these defeats and these poor results really do expose those that didn't really watch the game properly, didn't they? <laughs> they really do expose some people, don't they? Um, it's fans like Tom why Arsenal will never win a league title again, says Siri Brohyper. Yes, it's fans like me. I have, it's all me. It's on me. I'm the one. I'm the one making the decisions. I'm the one. Because yes, if we if we shout and scream and say Arsenal need to go into the market and sign X player, whoa, stick your chest out, say it how it is. Oh, yes, we're going to win the league now because we got a bit angry on a stream on YouTube. I'm so irrelevant. I'm so meaningless in the scope of Arsenal. 
I, I thank you for giving me this much rev- relevancy. I really do. Thank you for putting up my position. Thank you for raising my profile to the level where you think that I have an impact on whether or not Arsenal win the league. Thank you for that compliment. It means a lot. But to, to say that out, she was an absolute moron. <laughs> it really does. Uh, Byron says, why not get Vlaovic and play Jesus on the wing or Havertz playing off of Vlaovic? Again, is Vlaovic the, the solve of all of our problems? Is this... Is this really the solve of all of our problems? I don't think he is. He's got a few goals this season. It's not been great. I'm not sure Vlahovic is, is the answer. If it was me, I've said this before, I think we need to go young. I think we need to look at someone who's got the, the, the high ceilings, uh, a Boniface, uh, a Santiago Jimenez, a Benjamin Sesco. Bring in someone young that's better than, than Nketiah, you know, already, and that has a ceiling that could get higher than Jesus. That's what I think, you know, look at someone like that. But again, we need to do more research. We need to look at, um, we need to have a look more so at the, uh, the options and what they're like stylistically, because they have to fit. Um, Again, Tib says Ollie Watkins. Again, no, it's just not, he's not the right profile of of centre forward for this system. So there you go. Prog says, deduct my wages. Yes. (laughs) Deduct my wages, please. (laughs) I'm going to get fined. I'm going to get fined because I haven't done my job for Arsenal. And, you know, if I don't, we won't win the league. It's all on me. It's all on me. Anyway, before I lose my head anymore, we should probably end the show there. I've got a lot off my chest. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for sticking around. It means the world. Please do drop a like on the video. Please do subscribe to the channel. I'll be back with you guys tomorrow morning for more breakdown of the Premier League's action this weekend, for more reaction and fallout to what happens. Keep your eye on a potential charge for Arteta just to wait and see if it waits just that little bit extra to see if it is is done before Liverpool. See if the Brighton game rolls around first before Arteta's charged. Oh, Oh, just keep an eye out for that. Just keep an eye out. It's going to be very interesting indeed. It's going to be very interesting. Thank you, everyone in the chat box. And I mean it. Thank you to everyone, even the haters who have made this show even a slightly better this morning because you provide a little bit of nice, kind entertainment. And it is just entertainment because there's nothing legit about anything that they've said. <laughs> so let's let's enjoy our Sunday. Relax, take your mind off football, go and enjoy some hobbies or some the birds and blue sky, well, not blue sky, grey sky. Get some fresh air. <laughs> Have a fantastic day, people. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go. And you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.